two of the Bill Michael Show. Welcome to everybody in the network, all of you uh, watching over on the Bud Light live stream as well. We certainly appreciate it, listening on the app. And uh, don't forget, uh, you can always catch us on the podcast, which is on Apple and Spotify and the Google Podcast as well. So always track us down there. You can catch us on YouTube. So many different uh, platforms to take in the program, should you choose to do so. Uh, joining us now, Zach Cox from NESN, covering the uh, covering the Patriots side of thing. Now joining us uh, on the line, and it's at Zach Cox NESN over on Twitter. Zach, how you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. So uh, I know that uh, we've got uh, Mac Jones is in the building, uh, and according to some reports that maybe he's prepping in some way to play in this game, what is the likelihood do you think that he actually plays? I mean, I would be pretty surprised if he ends up getting out there on Sunday. Just based on all the reporting that we've heard this week about the injury, it's still up in the air whether he's going to get surgery, whether he's not. But the kind of the minimum, bare minimum – of kind of games missed seems to be at least two or three. Uh, I th- feel like we would, uh, I would be surprised if we see him play in, in either of the next couple of games. So yeah, now this report's coming out now that he essentially that he hasn't ruled himself out for this game. And he's told some teammates that um, to basically not count, not count him out and, and not make it a foregone conclusion that he won't play. I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing him getting out there just based on the severity of this injury, it would be a pretty, uh, pretty miraculous one week turnaround comeback. And even if you have him out there, he probably wouldn't be uh, particularly mobile and able, able to do a whole lot. So I don't know. I- I'm expecting the, uh, the Brian Hoyer show this weekend. Um, but I guess there is a chance that that uh, will not be the case. Brian Hoyer, uh, 0 for 11 in his last 11 substitutions, we'll say, as a backup quarterback. Is there uh, an 0 for 12 on the horizon, or does he bring something to the table and this team brings something to the table that's capable of knocking off the Packers? I can talk myself into a scenario where the Patriots do win this game. Uh, I think they have enough talent around Brian Hoyer that if he if he is just a kind of capable caretaker game manager, I think the Patriots do have a chance of, of pulling an upset in this game. They don't need him to be um, anything special. They don't need, need him to carry this offense and win the game on his shoulders or anything like that. They just need him to go in there and not make costly um, kind of game-changing mistakes. Uh, no no um, very, very bad turnovers, no kind of mental errors. And that's what hurt him the last time he was in this situation. Two years ago, he had to start in place of Cam Newton uh, in a game against the Chiefs. And he, overall, the Patriots actually were in position to contend and maybe even win that game. Uh, But Brian Hoyer had two really bad mistakes down in the red zone, cost them at least six points, potentially 14 points, uh, and they ended up losing that game. If he doesn't repeat that, if he can just play a, a reasonably clean game and the Patriots can play the kind of defense that they've played and run the ball the way they've had, they have, I think they do have a chance uh, of winning this game. But at the same time, it is hard to look at that 0-11 record in his last 11 starts and, and have a ton of confidence there. It's going to be, uh, as of this Sunday, it'll be exactly six years since Brian Hoyer last started and won a game. So uh, the recent track record with him is, uh, is not particularly good. What do the Patriots do well that, that, that you could really say this is what we would have to be able to bank on for this team to uh, maybe offset what the Packers do well? 
Well, I think they need to run the ball well, and that's been a, a strength of theirs uh, through these first three games, which has been a little bit, a little bit of a surprise uh, because it's something they really struggled to do over the summer. They were uh, implementing some new concepts and some new scheme type stuff, and the the new implementations just really weren't working, and it looked pretty ugly in, in training camp in the preseason. But once the regular season has begun, uh, they've really kind of gotten back to their old ways, uh, running the ball with Damian Harris. Damian Harris and uh, Ramondre Stevenson, one of the better one-two punches in the backfield uh, that you'll see around the NFL. So uh, I think that's something that could favor the Patriots, uh, especially since some of the uh, advanced metrics out there suggest that the the Packers' run defense isn't particularly strong. Um, And also the Patriots defensively have been pretty good so far this season, especially in the secondary. Uh, If they can get a couple pieces back that they were missing last game, uh, Kyle Duggar, their kind of versatile third-year do-everything didn't play the other day uh, against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and the Patriots really missed him in that game. Uh, But overall, uh, again, I think the Patriots are stout enough defensively and can run the ball well enough and do have just enough pass catching talent around Brian Hoyer that they can win this game. If, if they can avoid falling into any kind of uh, double digit early deficit that would force them to really go to the pass and really put the game on Brian Hoyer's shoulders. Yeah, I was noticing, uh, I was looking at the the uh, injury report, and I know you mentioned Kyle Duggar, uh, Joshua Bledsoe, Adrian Phillips. The safeties are all got uh, one thing or another that's kind of ailing them. you got the cornerback, uh, Jalen Mills, has the hamstring. He was uh, back but limited. Uh, so they are somewhat nicked up right now. It's nothing that's completely detrimental, but there are some question marks there defensively in the secondary, right? There definitely are. Uh, I would probably expect most of those players to play in this game. Uh, we don't know about Kyle Duggar yet. As I mentioned, he didn't play last week, uh, but he has been practicing. Uh, he, even even last week before missing that Ravens game, he was at practice. So that would suggest that he's trending in the right direction at least. Uh, uh, but a potentially big loss up front for the Patriots is Lawrence Guy. Uh, defensive tackle doesn't really get a lot of publicity uh, locally or nationally, but he's a guy that's essentially started every single game for the Patriots over the last, six or so years uh he got to new england in 2017 since then he started 80 of a possible 84 games i believe for the patriots and played in another two uh when you're going up against a team like the packers that does have a a pretty productive rushing attack uh that's not a guy that you want to be missing in the the middle of your defensive line so he did not practice yesterday we'll see if he's out there today but uh, that would be a, a pretty significant loss to the patriots up front on defense getting away from the x's and o's i gotta ask you how frustrating is it to cover bill belichick <laughs> it's uh it's something that you that takes a certain skill i would say uh i've been doing it for long enough at this point that you you kind of know what will work and what won't work um with him in, in those press conference settings um i, I know he has a, a reputation of somebody who basically never says anything and never gives the media anything that's not exactly the case uh, if you you ask him about the the right topics in the right way he'll talk your ear off for six or seven minutes but uh a lot of times in weeks like this where it uh there's a question about who will start a quarterback for the patriots we really do not have that answer and bill belichick has not uh shown any interest in in sharing that answer uh which kind of goes back to the way he's he's always done things Uh, with the success that he's had it's hard to argue about it too much but yeah it definitely makes uh our lives a bit more difficult than uh, than it might be otherwise. 
Yeah, because I call the Packers red China. I mean, they don't want to give you anything about anything, and they will answer like a politician. Bill Belichick doesn't even answer. He just stands there and goes, eh, whatever, you know. I mean, it, it's – but then again, you talk to people and coaches. Like, we, we go to Super Bowl every year. We'll talk to people about Belichick, and they're like, he's really funny. He's really a jocular guy. I'm like, I don't, how in the hell can that be? You know what I mean? Other than putting his dog at the table to make a draft choice. Yeah, he. We've actually heard that from a lot of players too, who come into uh, to New England either for free agent visits or, or signing with New England or coming uh, via trade. That's one of the first things they say. They're like, "Yeah, I'm surprised at how funny Bill is." Behind the scenes. Um, so he he definitely knows how to turn on a, a certain persona that he wants to portray uh, in some of those media settings. But, yeah, yesterday I think he said day by day. 12 total times uh, in his press conference when he was talking about Mac Jones and this whole injury mm-hmm. situation. So, yeah, if uh, if he doesn't want to tell you something, it's pretty much impossible to get it out of him. Talking with Zach Cox of NESN covering the uh, New England Patriots. They're coming into town this weekend to Lambeau Field. Uh, what is the mood right now? Because Patriots fans are so used to success. And I thought last year was really, and it might have been Bill Belichick's, one of his best coaching performances to get the most out of Mac Jones and the team that they had as they continue to rebuild life after Tom Brady. I thought last year was spectacular. Give me the mood right now with pa- Patriots fans. Yeah, I think they're a little frustrated right now because, uh, as you mentioned, last year did seem like a step in the right direction after the the Cam Newton season, which was essentially a, a reset year for the Patriots. There, uh, they were in a tough space cap wise. They hadn't drafted well uh, in the previous couple of years, and their roster just really didn't have enough talent that year. Uh, they went out and spent a ton of money in free agency last off season. You definitely saw some improvements on the field. Uh, then they kind of fell apart down the stretch and got blown out in the playoffs. But I think a lot of people were encouraged by the direction that the team was going in. Uh, and now it seems like it, it certainly hasn't taken the step forward that a lot of people were hoping for. Uh, I know a lot of people are pretty uh, unhappy with the whole coaching setup this year with the way that Bill Belichick chose to replace Josh McDaniels, uh, who was mm-hmm. the Patriots longtime offensive coordinator, basically replaced him with Matt Patricia, who's now calling offensive plays and Joe Judge, who is now coaching quarterbacks for the Patriots. Those are two guys that have a ton of NFL experience, have been head coaches in the past, were longtime Patriots coordinators previously, but neither of them had ever called plays or worked with quarterbacks coming into this season. And the fact that you're now three games in, and this injury to Mac Jones notwithstanding, the offense has not looked particularly good so far. It's definitely been a a work in progress to, to put it charitably. So yeah, I think there are a lot of people who are kind of unhappy with just the, the whole state of the organization at this point, because currently it does not look like the Patriots will improve on their, um, their record and their finish from last season. Again, it's still very early. There, there are some people who are basically calling this a, a lost season already. I, I think that's a, a little bit premature and a little bit strong, but you definitely don't see as much uh, positivity as you saw at some point last season. Yeah, you, you look at Josh McDaniels, he's over right now. Matt Patricia was a complete disaster in the Lions organization. Judge did not have any kind of a, a successful tenure with the or with the Lions organization than the Giants organization. So it, what is it about Bill Belichick that when his guys leave uh, from underneath the uh, the wing, so to speak, that they just fail miserably? I mean, even go back to like Romeo Cronell, who didn't have much success when he was getting out of there. I, nobody's had really mounting success under Bill Belichick. Yeah, it's it's been tough. A lot of the the coaches have who have left 
New England to for head coaching jobs. They've tried to kind of emulate Bill Belichick a little bit too much. Uh, I know Josh McDaniels had that issue uh, the first time he was a head coach when he was in Denver. Uh, I know that was an issue for Matt Patricia uh, because Bill Belichick is, is not always an easy coach to play for and to work with and to be around. And if you don't have that track record of success, it's you can turn off players pretty quickly. If Bill Belichick can do what he does because he's Bill Belichick and he has six Super Bowl rings with the Patriots and they've been successful for the last 20 years, if you're Matt Patricia coming into Detroit and trying to sort of play that same persona and you're going, I don't know, four and four and 11, four and 12 every year, it's, it's kind of hard to get the buy-in that's necessary there. Um, and ironically, one of the more successful Belichick assistants that's gone on to, to coach elsewhere was Brian Flores, um, who had any playoff success or anything like that, but seemed to be trending in the right direction. And then he was uh, out of a job mm-hmm. last year. So, yeah, yeah. there's not a, uh, a particularly long uh, track record of, of these Patriots assistants going elsewhere and, and finding the kind of success that they would hope for. Zach, great stuff. Look forward to seeing you up here at uh, Lambeau Field in Green Bay, and then uh, we'll touch base again soon, okay? Absolutely. Can't wait. Thanks so much. There you go. Zach Cox, NESN, the New England Sports Network, and he covers the uh, the Patriots uh, for NESN, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Yeah, it's uh, when you start to think about all the coaches that have come out of from underneath Bill Belichick and all the success that he has had, that they have had together as a group, and yet individually, just a ginormous crash and burn and Josh McDaniels again he you know he must interview extremely well he's had three offerings taken two jobs remember he walked the Indianapolis Colts up to the altar only to beg out of that particular situation and it seems to be a somewhat of a statistical train wreck right now out in Las Vegas uh, with the Raiders it's just man what a the coaching tree Unlike you go back to like the Bill Walsh coaching tree and then the Mike Holmgren, the guys that left Holmgren and and such, and you know now you've got uh, the spinoffs of the Shanahan's and the McVeighs and such, and and there's been some success there, and but you look at the Bill Belichick coaching tree, it's like holy crap. Uh, apparently, Bill is the dictator and mind to all, and they are the minions who follow his lead, and the minions cannot emulate the master. <laughs> Because the success just, it's its just not there. You don't have, Bill, Bill Belichick is not in that building, without a doubt. Uh, so anyway, uh, thanks to Zach for joining us for a couple of minutes and uh, giving us kind of the insight. It does not look as if Brian Hoyer is going to get his first win in his last tw- uh, 12 attempts, we'll say. At least that's the thought that's prevalent. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. The riding season is not over. We're hanging on to it like grim death at this point. And if you're looking to ride, you're looking for warm motor clothes, you are looking for parts, accessories, or storage, eventually when you do decide to call it quits on the riding season, uh, they've got storage. They can take care of your bike, give it service, oil changes and such, store it nice and comfortably away, take care of your baby over the over the wintertime, and then bring it back in spring and get you ready to go. That's Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. It's right between... Uh, we'll say uh, Milwaukee and Madison, just south of hi- the highway on 94, out in Oconomowoc. Give them a buzz or uh, go to their website, WISHD.com. WISHD.com, that is Wisconsin Harley-Davidson in Oconomowoc. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
That our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery, not only are they in Peshtigo, they, they've got a terrific thing going on, but they've got an anniversary party coming up Saturday. This Saturday, this year's anniversary party, going to feature music. The Cougars, that at least raises your eyebrows, doesn't it? The Cougars, food provided by the, uh, the Gourmet Corn Yucatan Cuisine Food Truck and the Bay Area Burger Company, they're all going to be there. Wine and cider taste, I'm telling you, the cider tastings, Good stuff. Wine and cider tastings from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The Cougars going to be taking the stage from 12 to 4. The food truck start at noon. Outdoor bar is going to be open from 12 to 4. The weather looks like it's going to be good. Limited parking on site. But they've got it uh, down the road and uh, Pesh Road right there next to the winery. Rain or shine, no tickets needed. It's wide open to the public. Uh, but come on by. That is Forgotten Fire Winery. Forgotten Fire Winery. And they have gotten they they have got wines, ciders, even sodas, even sodas. So they got all kinds of good stuff. But the the ciders are oh, so good. They got so many different. They got a pineapple hard cider, strawberry apple cider, green apple cider, the brown sugar cinnamon cider. That'll make your pants fall off. That is fantastic. That is, I'm just telling you, they got a blueberry apple hard cider, a tangerine hard cider, but uh, that that apple cinnamon, yeah, that's a real deal. That is good, good stuff. Ben, Kenny, I should get some of that and give it to you for, uh, say, a college weekend. That'd be great. They're uh, watching the Badgers. That would be, uh, Ben, Kenny would not be with us on Monday. Ben, Kenny would join us probably Wednesday after that happens in those those big jugs because that's not your typical uh, 4.5% alcohol cider. It tastes, it's like drinking, you know, apple juice with carbonation in it. But, you know, by the end of the night, you you might do things to farm animals. It's it's that good. It's really a good cider. Well, if the Badgers keep losing, then, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not going to lose to Brett Bielema, right? Well, I don't know. I there There's no way. No way they lose to Bielema. They're seven-point favorites. Yeah. That's uh, quite which, small. Which, yeah, it is not a large, you know, it's not a large margin of victory betting-wise, but it's. I think it's mainly based on the fact that the offense is just, you know, even with Ingram being the new play caller and such, and it just hasn't materialized the way everybody had hoped. You know, the first three games were supposed to be these prolific warm-ups where everything was just going to become finely tuned, and uh, the offensive line was going to be a juggernaut. Braylon Allen was going to be running for, uh, you know, 3.2 million yards. And uh, Graham Mertz was going to take that next step and look per- And Graham Mertz, for the most part, uh, in the first few games, did not look bad. It wasn't like he was losing the games. But this defense, which was so vaunted and so good for so long and really one of the top, uh, you know, top defenses in the country for more than a few years, has just fallen on hard times for lack of a better term but i still think that uh, illinois uh, does not pose a higher level of threat i will say this though the badgers should have won down there in illinois 
and got it handed to him by a Brett Bielema coach team last year. Was it last year? It was last year, right? That they went into Illinois and got knocked off? No, 2019. That was Lovey Smith. Oh, that was Lovey Smith. Okay. And that oh, was yeah, just yeah, 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 turnovers. Right, right. They handed the game away. Right, right. They handed the game away the last time they had uh, gone there when they were favored to win that game. So hopefully that doesn't. Boy, 2019, has it really been that long? Three years? Yeah, Holy it's crap. been that long since the Badgers have played really good football, too, frankly. Yeah, because last year, was it last year? Last year they went down there and they won. I'm sitting here looking at the schedule. and Okay, so last year was the year they won. They won against Bielema down there 24 to nothing. God, I got it mixed up. That was a Lovey Smith game. Holy crap, it's been that long. I, I don't know. That game sticks out to me because that, that game was one of those games where my jaw dropped, and I thought, there's no way I'm watching this happen. And I don't know why that just seems so – that seems more fresh in my memory than the game last year seems. But it just does. But there's no way they lose this game, right? Not going to happen. I will say it's a better Illinois team than they've seen in a couple years. Definitely better than 2019. Better quarterback play. Really good running back. Defense is playing great. They're not as good as Wisconsin, but if Wisconsin keeps right. playing like how they've played the last couple weeks, mainly the mm-hmm. Washington State game and obviously last week at Ohio State – Definitely possible. More possible than yeah. it's been in recent years. Everything in the power index favors Wisconsin. Everything just does. Um, you know, when you look at the team stats, the points per game, uh, they're relatively close, but Wisconsin's got an edge there. Uh, although points allowed, which is somewhat stunning, points allowed per game by this Wisconsin defense 19 points per game Illinois is allowing eight points per game well they've played nobody right I agree with that the Ohio State game obviously has really skewed those numbers but losing 52 21 um but they gave up 17 to Washington State they completely shut out Wyoming. So it just, yeah, man. Just, it's hard to believe that a Wisconsin Badger defense is averaging at this point in the season eight, uh, 19 points per game given up. So, yeah, 52 21 to take that kind of a beat down. Meanwhile, you've got, uh, like you said, really nobody. I mean, uh, the, the loss for Illinois has come at the hands of Indiana. They lost on the road in Indiana. Close one was what, what, 23-20, I think, was that game. They, I will say this, they put a beat down on Northwestern. From last year, when you start to look at the last five games and the comparisons and where they're at and the way ESPN kind of projects them out, both of these teams played Northwestern. Both of these teams lost to or uh, had uh, struggles with, although Illinois in the battle for Illinois last year, they crushed them. But uh, this year they played Wyoming, thirty-eight to six. Lost to Indiana, Virginia twenty-four to three. UTC thirty-one nothing. They blanked them. Badgers with their big Arizona State win twenty to thirteen last year. When they start to compare the numbers, but still, Badgers uh, should win this game handily. What were you gonna say? That Indiana loss was—it's tough. Indiana is uh, horrible this year, beyond bad. But penalties, turnovers, they were sloppy, and the refs kind of stole the game from Illinois. I don't know. I think they have a... Did the refs steal the game or, or uh, you know, because we say that where the penalties No, the refs stole you. it. There was okay. a touchdown that they called back that should have been a touchdown and everyone believed was a touchdown. They called it incomplete. Gotcha. 
Okay. I don't know. I think I didn't, I didn't catch the Illinois game, so I, I'll, I'll I'll defer to you on the college football Big Ten aspect of that. Wisconsin should win handily, and the defense better play well. Unless if they don't, there's a real problem. I also feel like it could be close very easily, given what we've seen so far from this team. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say the Badgers by 13. Badgers by 13, you know, 27-14 at home. Badgers by 13. That would not be a bad win. You'd love to see the Badgers just roll. You'd love to see the offense get it going. But 27-14, that's going uh, to be my go-to. Badgers beat the spread. Sound reasonable? I could see that happening. I don't know what to believe. My brain is also so broken today because there's so much. <laughs> Badger Twitter is just in shambles right now because there are some out there who watch the Ohio State game and are clamoring for changes and saying this program right. will never be great again. Right. And kind of forgetting reality of, you know, what the program is and the resources they have and what they actually can do. So I'm excited to actually watch them play football again because it has been a tiring couple days trying to inform people the fact that they'll never be as good as Ohio State. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I still, I, I still don't buy that. I, I just there, there has got to be thoughts of another level with this program. There just has to be. You can't just accept mediocrity and say, "Well, it's who we are." I, I just, I don't buy that. I would argue it isn't mediocrity at the heart. The success they've had is success. Yeah. I just, the playing field is drastically different. Like, I, right. I don't mean to be the, the sad guy today, even though I am. It's like, there isn't another level. I, what Ohio State's doing right now, Wisconsin doesn't have the capability of getting there because they're not on the hot recruiting bed. Uh, even if they raise their recruiting to top 25 in the nation, that doesn't do it. You have to bring in top 10, top 5 classes in the mm-hmm. school. I, like, you can't change the weather. There are a lot of things you can't really change about Wisconsin. Well, here's my here's my question. What comes first, chicken or the egg? Because what you're saying is, is, well, we're not going to get those recruits until we win a championship, but we can't win a championship because we can't get those recruits. So you're in essence, you're just running in circles. It's not only you're a championship you're, thing. You're, you're, you've dug yourself a hole and you're throwing dirt in yourself trying to dig out. It, it doesn't. You're, you're, it's wasted energy. So then why do it? Because when I say mediocrity, there's Ohio State, Michigan has had recent success, and everybody else is just going to bowl games. Because in essence, you're not winning the Big Ten, so you're not playing for a championship. So you're like everybody else, whether you're winning seven games, eight games, nine games, you're all just going to bowl games. You're playing football and you're going to bowl games, right? Wisconsin can win the Big Ten if everything aligns, but they won't get to a level where they are consistently as good as Ohio State. But don't you think that if they win the Big Ten, that would then put them in the playing, obviously, for a championship, at least into the playoff? Yeah, I differentiate making it to the playoff and competing for a championship. Like, I think if Cincinnati they get the playoff, was there, they can compete. Cincinnati was there last year. Well, Michigan was yeah. there last year. They lost 38 to nothing to Georgia, and it, they look like teams on different stratospheres of talent, which is just mm-hmm. the reality of the sport. It's unfortunate, but I, that just is what it is. I was more impressed that Cincinnati hung than I was with Michigan because Michigan is supposed to be a blue blood of football. Cincinnati is not. Cincinnati hung for a while, and then the game just kind of got away from them. 
Whereas Michigan, they're supposed to be a blue blood of football. They're, that's the big house. That's that's Michigan football. That's Harbaugh. That you know, they were they're supposed to be there, like Notre Dame is supposed to be there. Alabama has become the staple by which we all uh, they're the, the the New England Patriots of college football, right? So they're supposed to be there. Clemson has had some success there. Georgia's had success there. Ohio State has had success there. But when you when you bring up a team like Cincinnati, I was impressed they had a showing. Yeah, they did well. You know, I, it, it, it proved to a lot of the big programs that if you do it right and you can catch lightning in a bottle, you can do this. And let's be honest, let's, let's say you take Luke Fickle away from that program. What does that program become? Not much. Right. You put the right person in place. You tell me if suddenly the Big Ten in Wisconsin said to Luke Fickle, hey, because that's probably going to be the Luke Fickle. I, I cannot believe he has not taken another coaching job and he has stayed that committed to the University of Cincinnati. And there's something special about that. When you got a guy that stays at a what would be considered kind of the mid-major program, even though Cincinnati's a larger program, but uh, a mid-program like that or a low-level football program, and he has stayed there, which is astounding to me. But if a, a place like Wisconsin came calling and said, Luke, we want to give you the job, and Luke said yes, do you not think that Luke Fickle, the head, that head coach, then opens up different recruiting trails and gets into different areas and gets more recognition walking into homes than maybe Paul Chris does right now? I don't, honestly. And he might be a better really? coach. I don't know. But uh, Cincinnati is recruiting at the same level of Wisconsin. They just caught a perfect season. They're a group of five team, so they don't play Ohio State. They don't play mm-hmm. the great teams during the regular season. They had a, That was a really good Cincinnati team. That was definitely their peak. They beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Yeah, no, that was a good team, but they recruit. They had the same level of recruiting that Wisconsin always has. So I think he would bring the same level of recruiting. Maybe you get a little better coaching. Like, you still find success. But they are now, but with Luke Fickle, they have gotten more right there in their own backyard and stolen some of those top recruits from Ohio State. And the way they've done it is by saying, you can go to Ohio State and be one of five, or you can be the guy here. And that's the way they've started recruiting. And they've been successful at stealing some, especially in the in the in the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area. They have stolen some of the bigger recruits that were looking at Ohio State and kept them at the University of Cincinnati. I, I'm just saying that if you got a guy that is is capable of being structurally sound, top to bottom with coaching and such, and a guy that recruits like Luke Fickle does, do you think that you would have more success with Luke Fickle at the helm than you would have with Paul Christ at the helm? Now, I'm not saying Paul Chris needs to lose his job. I'm simply saying that the whole argument is we can't recruit because, well, we're not Ohio State. And Luke Fickle's doing it right in Ohio State's backyard. He's still, I mean, I don't mean to be the, the bucket of cold water. He's still recruiting at a mid-30s, uh, right. late 20s level, which is Wisconsin's ceiling. Wisconsin's already right, at that but, recruiting level. But the point is, is that they were at the 50th and 60th echelon. And now they've moved up just because he's figured out a way to do it and do it better and build a better mousetrap. Yeah. I think the difference between 50th and 25th is a lot smaller than the difference between 25th and 16th. Completely agree. Completely agree. Completely agree. But I just wonder, you you have to wonder what a guy of that ilk would then do with a, a, a large program. More money, more access, more NIL money, 
more ability to travel, more ability to go into different places, the stature of the Big Ten and such behind him. Now, I know that Cincinnati's going to be going to the Big 12 here soon, but, you know, I'm, I'm just – I look at a program like that that made it into the Final Four last year, and I think, you know, boy, you, you, you kind of look at the coaching and the success and you say, okay, it's not just a one-hit wonder. It's been – since he's gotten there, they've had success, and he's had numerous people that have called, and he's turned them down. So, anyway – uh, I digress. Let's do this. Um, step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Got a veteran company right here in our own backyard. That's our friends at BurnPitBBQ.com. BurnPitBBQ.com. Still, this weekend, a lot of tailgating going on, whether it's Brewers games, Badger games. You're going to be heading up to, uh, I think, up to Lambeau, and you want to do it with sauces and rubs and uh, all kinds of good stuff that they have there. Uh, hot sauces, even. Uh, that's BurnPitBBQ.com. BurnPitBBQ.com. And uh, you can see for yourself and taste for yourself. All that they have to offer. Really good stuff from BurnPitBBQ.com. Again, BurnPitBBQ.com. Veteran-owned right here in Racine, Wisconsin. So uh, get a hold of them there. Um, uh, let's do this um, because we are pressed up against it because we went a little bit long in the last segment. And I don't like to normally go right back to break, but uh, we're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers, at least part of it coming up, some of his discussion. Uh, so I want to do that. Top of the hour, we've got Paul Charging with Fantasy Football. So uh, we're going to take another quick break, I promise. Come right back, and then we're going to hear from Aaron Rodgers, and then uh, we got Paul Charchi and Fantasy Football coming up. We're going to hear from Luke Buckus coming up here at the uh, in the next hour as well. we got some uh, some picks, some NFL picks and such uh, against the spread coming up. So a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. I apologize, but uh, we're going to get right back at it, so we got time to get Aaron Rodgers in. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers getting ready to host the Patriots here at Lambeau Field. The Packers finally had some good field position in Sunday's win in Tampa against the Buccaneers. Packers punter Pat O'Donnell has been named the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Matt LaFleur. He was huge in that game, man. Really did a great job of help controlling the field position. And anytime you're able to get five punts down inside the 15-yard line was pretty remarkable. I thought our... Our whole punt unit as a whole did a really nice job. Our flyers, obviously, Keyshawn Nixon had a, a nice play on the one we downed on the two-yard line. Rudy Ford was flying down there, uh, making plays, and the protection was good. In Foxborough, Bill Belichick getting questions about Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, who suffered a high ankle sprain against the Ravens. Saw Mac a little while ago, definitely getting better. Probably won't practice today. Made a lot of progress here in the last, whatever, 48 hours. Keep plugging away and take that day by day, see how it goes. You expect Mac to start on Sunday for you guys? Take it day by day. Is the plan, Bill, for Mac to have any kind of procedure? To... Day by day, Phil. Day by day. That's the plan. Day by <laughs> day. Does he have a high ankle sprain? Day by day. What do I look like? A doctor? An orthopedic surgeon? Like, I don't know. We'll evaluate him, Dave. I mean, what difference does it make to me? What do you, do you think I'm going to read the MRI? That's not my job. And former Packers linebacker Clay Matthews has decided to retire from the NFL. I asked Aaron Rodgers what's his favorite Clay Matthews story. That I can share? Yeah. <laughs> 
My favorite memories from Clay are off-season Clay. In-season Clay was obviously incredibly talented and focused, but there were a lot of days where he was kind of like an angry bear, and you wake him up and snap on you. But off-season Clay, man, wakes up every single day is the best day of his life. It was a lot of fun. That's Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. They have the opening drive sweepstakes, and it's brought to you by Quick Trip. Fully guaranteed gasolines. You purchase the gasolines with a Quick Trip, you know, your Quick Rewards card. Boom, you're entered. One weekly winner is going to win a $10 gas card for every yard earned on the Packers opening drive. Quick Trip, they are a proud partner of Packers football. So if your uh, name is called, you're hoping for a, uh, you're hoping they start out on the one. Like uh, Mari Rogers fumbles, they scoop it up on the one and then go 99 yards. Oh, there you go. That's not bad. Remember, 10 bucks for every yard gained. Think of that. That's what you're looking forward to on the Quick Trip opening drive, uh, opening drive sweepstakes. Good stuff from our friends over there at Quick Trip. Glad to have them on board. So uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, says, look, uh, you know, when you face Bill Belichick, you got to expect everything against Bill Belichick. Everything could change in uh, in the game or before the game or halftime, third quarter. Uh, they have a lot of scheme they can get to. They're very well prepared, very well coached. And you've got to be kind of ready for every coverage, pressure, zero, uh, drop eight, uh, a lot of different things. A lot of respect for Coach Belichick. He's best coach in the history of the game, I think. Um, Rogers, he was asked a question that you and I were discussing earlier today, and that is what does maybe Bill Belichick consider to be the uh, Packers offense? What, what, what are they doing really good right now? I'm not going to give him any ideas, but I'm sure he'll look at uh, what he thinks we do best and try and take away first and second options and then uh, have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D that I'm sure he hopes he doesn't get to, but I'm sure they'll have a great plan for us. We have seen this team score 38 points in the first half and only 10 points in the second half of games so far this season. Um, he was asked about the importance of making halftime adjustments to the game plan. Oh, I mean, I think it's – I'm always looking for in-game adjustments. I like to tease our staff sometimes when they make an in-game adjustment at halftime, be really excited. Um you know, there's some people that believe in it's like momentum. Some people believe in momentum. Some people don't. Some people believe in halftime adjustments. Some people don't. So, just depends on what do you even classify. You know, the definition of a halftime adjustment at times. But, um, but we're always making adjustments and tinkering and and tiny little things to to try and improve plays both in the heat of the battle and then off on the side and at halftime and a bunch of other times. The Ben, I, I want to hear. Give me the first portion of that statement again, because I think it's rather telling for when, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and his thought process on the quote halftime adjustments. Play it again. Oh, I mean, I think it's. I'm always looking for in-game adjustments. I like to tease our staff sometimes when they make an in-game adjustment at halftime. Be really excited. Um, you know, there's some people that believe in. It's like momentum. Some people believe in momentum. Some people don't. Some people believe in. Uh, halftime adjustments, some people don't. So There you go. That That's it. it, it in other words, I, halftime adjustments are crap. I'm always looking at, at every, you know, Microsoft Surface, Surface Pro, 
during the game to make an adjustment. But he's basically saying, you know, when fans talk about it, that's kind of a fan's question. What about these halftime adjustments? What, what, what is it about the second half you can't score? And he's basically laughing at it going, I, I make fun of those people. That's what he's saying. I make fun of our staff for these, quote, halftime adjustments. Uh, because, And he's right to a certain extent because, and I've told you, uh, halftime is not – everybody doesn't run into a classroom and sit down. It's uh, go to the bathroom, catch your breath, get any treatment you need in the trainer's room real quick, uh, get a bite of something, whatever, and then you get maybe maybe three, four minutes and you get something from your coach and then you're back out. There's not a whole lot of time for the, quote, halftime adjustments. So it's interesting because he kind of laughs at it. He kind of scoffs at it there. He was also asked about uh, the left tackle, David Bakhtiari, and you know how he's doing after those 35 snaps against Tampa. I don't want to talk for Dave. I'll let Dave do all the talking. He's got a you know, big mouth and enjoys using it, so I'll let him answer that question. But he seems in pretty good spirits. Uh, and then you got uh, Rasul Douglas and the comparison when he was asked, compare Rasul Douglas to Charles Woodson. And, you know, who does uh, the outside linebacker Rashawn Gary remind him of? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. He's a different body type. Uh, he's got a great motor. He's, you know, he's been productive every single game. I think he's had a sack every game. He's been in the backfield a bunch. He's tough to tough to block, and he's he's earned that respect now where he's getting chipped on a lot of plays. The slide's going his side, so a lot of credit to how hard he's worked. And when he came in, he was kind of a, run, a one-trick pony. You know, he had kind of some speed, then he started developing the power, and then he d- developed the moves, and then he became really tough to block. Uh, the Patriots pass rush, uh, the, our defensive end, Dietrich, Wise Jr., uh, Judon, uh, the outside linebacker, uh, he discusses what the pass rush can do to you or how he feels about the Patriots' pass rush coming into this game. Yeah, he's a great player. He's He's, uh, he's got three sacks, and uh, 91's got four, so they got a good pass rush. Plus, they give you a ton of different looks, you know, with uh, empty pressures and adjustments and checks of their own, uh, delayed blitzes, spying, a lot of different things they can do. Uh, so it's... You know, we got to be aware of where he's at because he's a, he's a game record. Um, the guys on this team that are right now, um, you know, kind of coming back from injury and the fact that uh, at least now you've got Bakhtiari back, Elton Jenkins is back, uh, Tanyan, who also had uh, the ACL injury, all of these guys, Rogers touches base on all of them and all the recoveries and all these guys finally coming back. Bobby, yeah, I think it's it's just confidence for both him and, and Elton and Dave as well. You know, when you come back from an injury, whether it's at nine months or twelve months or however many months, uh, that's a significant injury, and it's you know, I think Bobby's getting close to that feeling that he felt a few years ago, where he's dangerous after the catch. You know, he's got good moves, and he can also put his head down. But I just want to see him get even more comfortable putting that foot in the ground and, and cutting off it. And, and then making some guys miss after the catch. And I think he's getting close to that. He's feeling better. Uh, he's doing some really instinctual things out there, and it's just kind of the next step is the last little bit of confidence. And then, uh, you know, after the win over Tampa, you got New England coming up without their quarterback. Do guys start looking ahead and talking about what's upcoming, and that is the London trip? No, because we don't talk like that in the locker room. That's, that's outside the locker room fodder. Nobody ever talks about letdowns or emotional setbacks or... Uh, 
trap games or any of the you know the code words you guys use. Uh, we have a standard at which we play, and that's the standard. If it dips below that, we don't attribute that to anything other than the preparation we put in, the way we practice, and the focus for that game. So. I know those are fun code words for you guys to use, and I respect them. And shoot, I, I've heard them, you know, being a fan of the game for a long time, but we just don't approach it that way. There you go. That is Aaron Rodgers. Get your fantasy football questions. And we'll get some more from Aaron Rodgers later in the program, some pertinent stuff. But get your fantasy football questions in now. Paul Charchian, he's going to be joining us. Fantasy, guillotine leagues, all that kind of good stuff. That is coming up next on The Bill Michael Show. Show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.